My husband died a month ago. How do I tell him? Written by Classic Challenge 325 Hey Luce, haven't talked to you in a little while. Just checking to see how you're doing since Mark. (sighs) Anyways, call or text when you feel like talking. I'm here for you. I stare at the phone, rereading the message my best friend sent. How am I doing? How do I answer that? Mark was my husband. Is my husband, I guess. Two years ago, he was diagnosed with stage 4 stomach cancer. It started 18 months of total hell. Pursuing treatment after treatment, making the smallest headway before it came crashing back on us again and again. We had discussed children but had never gotten around to it. That was only the silver lining in all of this. That I didn't also need to worry about caring for a child during the time. Eventually, we accepted that we needed to prepare for the very real fact that Mark was going to die. We made sure his will and life insurance were in order. We wrote letters to his parents and sister. And I made sure that I had all of his passwords so I could cancel any subscriptions he had. He had hired a nurse to take care of him at the house. And two months after hiring the nurse, Mark passed away. The week following his passing is a blur. I know I met with the funeral director, but I couldn't tell you any details of what we discussed. I do remember being very grateful for my best friend, Kate. She helped keep the director in line as to what Mark actually wanted and didn't allow him to push me towards something more expensive. I remember going home after the funeral and walking in the door and seeing Mark's shoes in the entryway. That whole week, I had just been in a daze. Occupying my mind with funeral arrangements. But now that it was over, seeing those shoes, I cried. No, I sobbed. Hyperventilating sobs. I cried for what felt like hours. And eventually I fell asleep. When I woke up, I felt a presence in the house. I thought maybe Kate or Mark's parents had come over to check on me. I walked downstairs and towards the kitchen and I could hear someone moving around. It sounded like they were cooking. Morning, baby. Did you sleep well? Mark. I froze. How could this be? I had just buried him the day before. You okay, baby? You look a little pale. I, uh... I pinched myself. It hurt. This isn't a dream. Mark, 
can you tell me what's been happening the last couple of months? What are you talking about? I started a new job and you just got that promotion. Is everything okay? Mm-hmm. Everything is fine. I left the kitchen in a daze. I thought that maybe this was one of those supernatural moments. That I maybe just got to have one more day with my love. And I intended to make the most of it. But the next day, he was there again. And the next day, and the next. It's been a month, and he's still here. I don't know how to handle this. I haven't told anyone, and I haven't spoken to anyone. How do I tell people that my husband came back from the dead? How do I tell my husband that he died a month ago? What a burger. Written by I Kill Porch Pirates. I was 20 and trying to pay my own way through summer trade school semesters by working all winter. Finding enough work was tough, but my uncle got me a job on his crew doing demolition work on an old office building. The guy I was replacing got cute cutting corners and fell off a roof with no safety harness, broke both collarbones and would be recovering for at least two months. My first day on the job site was a bitterly cold February 20th. The air had this weird oppressive feeling and the wind cut right through my coat and vest. We had to work overtime because the storm would cause a few days of snow removal before we could get back to tearing down the masonry. The bosses wanted as much done as possible so we were there till near midnight. The last few hours of my shift, the snow started and soon visibility was down to almost zero. Finally, the foreman told us to get lost and I clocked out. I was hungry as fuck, so I wanted to grab a bite before catching the last bus of the night back to my tiny apartment. No one else was around and I didn't really know anyone yet and I guess they all just took off. I saw Wendy's across the street with an open sign in the window and I headed over. The streets were deserted and with the blowing snow, it looked like the whole city was battening down the hatches and going to the ground. The parking lot was empty and there were no lights inside the restaurant, but I pushed on the door anyway and it opened. Inside, the power was off. One skinny teenager stood in front of a register. I was about to leave when he beckoned me over. Looks like you got no power, I said stupidly, and he nodded. The gas still works. I can take your order. He paused after each word and 
I decided he was most likely high. I shrugged and ordered a double burger and cheese, and I grabbed my wallet, but he shook his head slowly as he gestured to the dark cash register. I can't ring it in. It's on the house. I thanked him and waited. In the back, I could see nothing but darkness, but I spotted a shape moving back there. I was squinting my eyes trying to make out more when a hand emerged and handed the cashier my burger and fries. Here you go, the stone-sounding teen said. I took my food and sat at a table. Nobody else was in there besides me. and The snow was so thick outside that I couldn't even see the job site across the street. The table was coated in dust. I wiped it off thinking that they must be short-staffed because of the blizzard. The cashier stared at me in a creepy way, but I ignored him and started to chow down. People acted strange when they were wasted, so nothing new there. The burger was hot and juicy just the way I liked it. And after I finished, I dumped the trash and headed back out. When I got to the door, I looked back and saw that the cashier was gone. He must have went into the back for a break, or maybe he was heading home. From the looks of it, it didn't look like they were going to get any more customers that night. Anyways, I went to the bus stop and by luck, the bus arrived just a few minutes later. There were only three other people on the bus, and I'd noticed an old lady looking at me funny every once in a while took about an half an hour to get to my stop and when I got up to get off the bus a few people shrank back from me as if they were afraid but I didn't think much of it you had to be careful around strangers nowadays when I got up to my apartment I took off my work coat and vest and pulled off my steel toe boots I went to take a piss and that's when I saw my reflection in the mirror. There was blood all around my mouth and down my chin, and a trail of red that almost spread all over my white t-shirt. What the fuck? I thought. I must have bit my lip or cheek or something. I opened my mouth, but there was no pain and nothing bleeding. No wonder those people were staring. I cleaned myself up and went to bed, dog-tired. Two days later, I came back to work. And Charlie, the dude I was manning a wheelbarrow with, asked me where I went the other day after work. I said I grabbed a bite to eat. He told me they were looking for me and figured I'd be at the McDonald's a block away because that's where everyone went after work. I told him that I went to Wendy's instead, and he stared at me blankly. What Wendy's? I pointed across the street, but my mouth dropped open 
as I noticed the decrepit appearance of the building. It looked like it hadn't been opened in ages. Nice one, Charlie said with a smile. That place is the next building we're tearing down. After what happened in there, no one will ever want to rent that space again. A chill went up in my spine as I wondered who had taken my order, who had handed him the food, and exactly what it was that I'd eaten in there. Next time, I'll tell you about all the things that happened while we demolished that Wendy's and what I found in the basement. But that's a tale for another day. I just found out the house down the road has been abandoned since 2002. I'm not sure who's been waving at me. Written by NVR Ellis. For some context here, I live in a pretty small town. Maybe 5,000 people. I've only lived here for the past five years while doing university and I live a pretty dull life. Needless to say, nothing like this has ever happened to me. And I'm not sure where else to post this. I live in a pretty small apartment on the end of the dead end street. I do have a car, but since my job, which is fast food, is only a 15 minute walk away, I usually walk to work, especially with how gas has gotten these days. As long as I've lived here, there's always been one house I've had to walk past. Just after getting off my dead end street and turning onto another road, there's a gorgeous, huge red house. I describe it as a mid-20th century, though it could be older. And as I said, it's red, a dark maroon specifically. The paneling is old, but well taken care of. And it's got a cream-colored siding, black shingles, two floors, the usual stuff you see in a small suburban town. I've always loved the character it has. The front of the house has a large porch, and the house itself is slightly obscured by a rather large tree beside the driveway. Nothing out of the ordinary, or so I thought. Every time I walk by the house, there's an older woman sitting on the porch on a wooden rocking chair. She genuinely seems like a kind soul. When I first started my routine three or so years ago, she'd always wave at me. I got into the habit of waving back out of politeness at first, but it truly became something I looked forward to. There were a lot of times I wasn't listening to music on the walk and instead simply taking in the sounds around me. And on those days... I could hear the wood on wood creaking, and she'd often say something to me. I I think it was a hello, but 
I could never quite hear her. I'd always just say, hi back, of course. Eventually, about a year ago, we'd exchange a few words, and I'd even walk on that side of the street even though it meant crossing the road when I didn't have to. We'd exchange the usual, nice weather today, stuff and all of that. And while she wouldn't talk much back, I quite liked all of our interactions. Thinking back on it, I don't think there was a single time she wasn't out there. I want to think she liked it as much as me. I'm still not sure what her name was, but I could easily recognize her. Her gray hair was always up in a bun. She was almost always wearing a gray wool shawl or a cardigan thingy to keep her warm even in the summer. But things changed about a week ago. I've gotten tired of living in a small, dingy apartment. And now that I'm out of university and looks like the local high school wants to hire me, figured I should look for an actual house. I have enough saved up to, at least. So, for the past month I've been keeping an eye on the local housing market for anything that suits me. Though it's pretty barren right now. And that's when I saw it. A listing for 27 Fairview Lane. A listing for her house. First, I was a little sad she was selling the place. Then I actually opened the listing. The house was destroyed. Its windows were boarded up. Walls were tarnished and black. Most of the siding and trim were fallen off. A large part of the ceiling had collapsed in. The tree was withered and dead and grass was brown and dry. The house I admired every day for years was totally different. At first I panicked. I was worried that something had happened and almost immediately I sprinted full blast out of my apartment. I'm not sure why I was so moved but I was genuinely fearful for her. I sprinted down the road, turned the corner, and stopped dead in my tracks. The house was the same that it had always been. Beautiful and perfectly maintained. Was I wrong? Maybe they were old pictures, I thought. I didn't hesitate to pull my phone out of my pocket and begin to pull up the ad. And when I looked... The photos were time-stamped from last month. When I looked back, I saw her there, rocking, as always. Except, this time was different. When our eyes locked, her smile, which had always been that of a kind old lady, slowly began to grow creeping up to where the corners of her lips were almost intruding her eye sockets. 
her eyes had also shot wide open. And I could hear a faint giggling from her direction. Her rocking picked up pace. She began to violently shoot back and forth fast enough that any normal person's neck would give out. The creak, creak, creak of the wood was almost deafening. And after a second or two, she stopped. I swear to God, I blinked and when my eyes were open, once more, she had vanished. The house had become the same nightmare I had seen in the ads. Vicious and sinister in style. I stood there for a few minutes, dumbfounded. I have never been struck like a deer in headlights before, but that truly scared me. Eventually, I just went back home. I wanted to investigate further, but something told me that if I stepped foot on that property, that bad things would happen. Ever since then, I've barely slept. Every time I close my eyes, I see her, her face, her contorted smile, her violent rocking back and forth. Christ, it was like something out of a horror movie. After that, I didn't see her again. Not there, anyway. My routine walks to work. We're walking past that abandoned shell of a house. In my downtime at work, since honestly I was too creeped out to do it at home, I would look for anything regarding the house. Yesterday, I learned why it looks the way it does. I guess it burned down in 2002, and the family never sold it. One person died in that fire, and the police ruled it suicide by arson. I wasn't able to find out anything about who died there, but I think I know. After discovering this and walking home, I saw her again. Not at the house. She was standing at the end of my street. When I saw her in that monstrous grin, I felt my heart stop. I ran as fast as I could back to my apartment and locked the doors and the windows. I managed to convince myself that I imagined it in my sleep-deprived state. But now, now I know that I didn't. That's because I know she's here now. I didn't see her today, and it was a relatively normal day. Got home about 45 minutes ago at 9 p.m. And ever since I got home, I could feel her eyes on me. Music playing in my headphones. But I can hear her. My left side is directly against the window. And I can fucking hear her. She's outside my window right now. The giggling, 
the creaking of old wood as she rockets back and forth like some sort of possessed toy. She's right there, and I'm too scared to look. I live on the fourth floor. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The Secret About My Grandmother Written by Orchards and Dreams I was tasked with cleaning up my grandmother's house after her passing. My parents having become estranged from her years before I was born. My mother having been her only child and her own siblings passing away many years ago. I was the one to volunteer to do the process. My own contact with my grandmother had been limited, but nice. My parents permitted her to see me once when I was born, and allowed letters to be exchanged between us. They were your standard speaking to a relative you know little about kind of letters. Short, courteous, and surface level. Despite this, I had a sort of fondness for this woman I had never truly met. However, my parents refused to speak much of her. So, cleaning the house became an opportunity to get to know her. The house itself was nothing remarkable. A comfortable one-story home similar to those of the surrounding area. Located in a small retirement town filled mostly with old folks and occasional small families wishing to take advantage of the cheap house prices. It was a fine area, if not a tad bit boring, quiet and unassuming, just like the house from the outside. Entering was a different story. It soon became apparent that my grandmother was a hoarder, piles of piles of stuff lining every wall. A twisting, turning path between the items seemed to be the only way to get around the place. No wonder why my folks had declined to come with me. I had taken some time walking around the small home before I decided to start cleaning, trying to grasp a lay of the land and the easiest way to begin the process of sorting all of the hoard. 
doing this, however, led me to a room that had been locked. A room I hadn't been informed of when the lawyer had given me the house keys. I pulled them out, flipping through them and trying them all out on the door. One finally shoved into the lock, clicking when I turned it. I was in. The room seemed completely different to the rest of the house. For one, there were no signs of hoarding. Instead, it was as neat as could be. Despite there being a thick layer of dust across every surface, it clearly hadn't been touched since it was last used, which, considering as this was obviously my mother's old bedroom, would have been since the 60s. She had left home at 16. It was one of the few things she had told me about her past. This made the discovery of the room even more exciting to me. Finally, I could learn about my grandmother and my mother. The mystery of our family would begin to unravel in this room. Most of the room was fairly uninteresting. A few Barbie dolls I made a mental note to Google to see if they were worth anything, as well as some clothes and old records that caught my eye. Wait till I show my friends the old mama and papas and the Yardbirds albums I found. The thing that caught my attention the most, however, was a plain-looking journal with weathered yellow pages. I immediately grabbed it and shoved it in my coat pocket, filing it away for later inspection. I had to actually start cleaning if I wanted to get anywhere in this massive hoard. That brings me to today. Free day off from working and cleaning, and I actually decided to sit down and read what was in the journal. I think I regret it. Well, no, actually, I don't. It explained a lot. Why my mother had left. Why she was only permitted to see me once. Why my family secrets were so secret. My grandmother was a murderer. Instead of me explaining the story, I'll let my mother's own words do the talking. For brevity, I will omit entries that don't have much to do with the secret. January 15th, 1965. Dear Diary, Maurice came around again today has been checking up on me a lot lately ever since my father left I suppose I appreciate it my mother has not left the room since the incident and I am unable to look after little Mary on my own she was so tiny I wonder if I was that small as a baby poor thing even looking at her you can see the genes of the mailman I should not know this and you and Maurice are the only ones I have told but mother cheated on father with the mailman it is why he left though mother won't say a word about it to me I mean it makes sense 
would want their own daughter knowing about their infidelity. I certainly wouldn't. Maurice's talking of marriage says it is legal now. We obtained the court's approval and I can finally leave this wretched home of mine. Things were strained before father left and now I am afraid of what will happen. Mother usually is not this bad. She has had episodes before. When father came home drunk late after work and they would argue and then she would not speak for a couple of days but it would always go away father would bring home flowers they would kiss and make up it has been two weeks since my mother spoke she will sometimes leave her room to eat and use the loo but that is about it I am worried school returns soon and what will happen when I leave little Mary home all day? Will mother even think to tend to her? I tense up at the thought. Right again soon. Anne. January 16th, 1965. Dear Diary, I saw something strange this morning. I got up in the middle of the night for a glass of water and decided to check in on little Mary as I ought to do at night. Anyway, I went to check up on her. She sleeps in what used to be father's study in her makeshift bedroom, but I guess it is just her bedroom now. The door was slightly ajar. Usually I keep it fully shut makes the room nice and warm for her trick my granny taught me I peeped in and something told me I should not make any sudden or loud noises when I did so my gut instinct was probably correct mother was in there she was standing over her cot watching down at little Mary she was dead still it was not for the faint moving of her stomach up and down it would be as if she was dead on her feet that was not the worst part of things however that was mother's face her eyes were blank but her mouth was twisted up into a grin it looked so perverse I'm truly scared what is wrong with my mother right again soon and January 20th 1965 dear diary today I returned to school I've been observing mother every night for the past couple of days she has been doing the exact same thing as I saw the morning of the 16th standing and staring at little Mary told Maurice about my concerns and he hopes to start the procedure for us to marry soon I will write again when I come home from school dear diary I write this in Maurice's car I'm coming to live with him and his folks 
the most terrible of things has just happened. Unfortunately, little Mary is dead. Mother has killed her. It was horrific. I had entered home from school. I was excited, actually. I could hear mother whistling and she was in the kitchen rather than her room. I thought this would be good news. Oh, I hoped it would be good news. She always whistled when she was feeling happy. Oh, dear Lord. The scene that I walked into. When I... When I close my eyes, I can still see it now. Mother with the knife she used for preparing large poultry. Mary on the chopping board. Her lifeless body was so pale, so limp. Mother has gone crazy. I could see the roasting dish behind her. And the blood. There was so much blood. Blood over my mother. Staining the white skin of Mary. Her limbs. She had chopped her limbs. Oh God. Dear Lord. I hate to think what is happening in my home. No. Not my home. Never again my home. That house. That hell house. God. I cannot continue to think about it. This is... This is truly it. I will not be writing in you again, diary. And that was it. My mother kept her promise. She never wrote in the diary again. And from what little I have been told, her and father married days after this. I suppose the court would approve of a marriage that took my mother far far away from what happened. The red stains in my grandmother's kitchen make sense now. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co.